Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... Who are you when nobody is around, but it's just you and the Lord? Are you aware of His presence? Is there a sense in your own heart and mind that God is present with me all the time? I'm never really alone. I'm never really by myself. I'm always with the Lord. That should impact how you think and what you do, how you live. Uh, just knowing that God is present, His eyes are seeing everything, and I'm never out of His sight. All-knowing, all-seeing eyes of the Lord. And again, for someone that's living wrong, that's a scary thing. And for someone that's living right, it's a blessing. That could be pretty creepy if you think about it. Someone is always watching you. No, thank you. I don't want someone checking up on me and watching every time I mess up. In his message today, Pastor Bill will point out that as a believer, it should be comforting that God is watching. God cares about you, and He's not making a list of your failures. He's watching out for you. He wants you to succeed. He is for you, not against you. So rest in the promise that God cares and will always be there for you. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation chapter 1, as he continues his message, A Picture of Jesus. God has really given me victory over what would come out of my mouth. I'm a lot slower to speak than I used to be. So whenever I'm emotional, I'm quiet. If I'm angry, I'm quiet. Uh, I know that I can't sin with my mouth shut. So when I'm not in a good space, if you ask people to live with me, I'm quiet. When I'm quiet, you're like, what's wrong? Something's wrong because you're quiet. But you want to leave me that way because I don't need to say nothing. So, um, but quiet is good for me. But what I have found is, um, and I grew up bagging, you know, I don't know for you guys what era you guys grew up in, but me and my sister, that's what we did my whole life. Me and her still do it to one another, um, bagging on people, making fun of people, making jokes or whatever. It's something that happens very naturally in my head. And so a lot of times I'll be driving, I'll see something, and I may tear somebody up in my head. And then there's, they're like, Dad, what are you laughing at? I'm like, I don't want to say, I can't say what I'm laughing at. I'm sorry. And that's something I've had to, the Lord's like, I see that, though. Um, and probably the worst scenarios are when maybe people say stuff to me. And there's a response that, that I'm supposed to give. And I, I, I'm pretty good about doing the right thing on the surface. But there are times, because God is dealing with beneath my surface, where in my mind, I may still cut them up. You know, I'm like, yeah. And I, in my mind, I'll lace them up real quick, get a laugh and walk away. And God's like, but I saw that, Bill. I, I care about that, too. And so his all-knowing, all-seeing eyes, what is that? That should make me aware that it's not just what you guys can see. Uh, I'm not living for people, but I, gotta, I live before the Lord who sees what nobody else sees. He sees the motive of my heart. He sees what I'm thinking, when I'm thinking the wrong thing. When somebody asks me to do something, even if your body moves to do it, if in your mind you're like, you know, God's like, I see that. I saw that. I, I, I never mind what you did. I saw what you said in your heart when you did it. And so I, I hope that that will help us to be people that walk with greater integrity. Uh, it's been said integrity is what, what you do when no one's watching. Um, an interesting thing for the believer is someone's always watching. Amen? The Lord is always watching. So who are you? Who are you when nobody is around, but it's just you and the Lord? And are you aware of his presence? Is there a sense in your own heart and mind that God is present with me all the time? I'm never really alone. I'm never really by myself. I'm always with the Lord. That should impact how you think and what you do and how you live. Uh, just knowing that God is present, his eyes are seeing everything, and I'm never out of his sight. All knowing, all seeing eyes of the Lord. And again, 
For someone that's living wrong, that's a scary thing. And for someone that's living right, it's a blessing. Because um, his all-knowing, all-seeing eyes, maybe you serve in a way that's not public. Maybe you serve the Lord in some ways that are not in front. Um, people don't see it. No one's saying, hey, great job. You did awesome. But you're serving him. Well, he sees that. Not slipping by his sight. All-knowing, all-seeing. Uh, so if we're living right, it's a blessing to know, God, you catch everything. Uh, but if you're not living right, um, let it scare you into holy living. Let it put the fear of God back in you that you're always before him. If you're writing notes, write down Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. And it says this in Hebrews 4, uh, verse 13. It says, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Nothing's hidden from his sight. All things are naked and open um, before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And so again, his eyes like a flame of fire. Verse 15 now, his feet were like fine brass as if refined in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters. That's verse 15. So two things, the feet like brass is another one that people like to look at and say, see, his feet were like brass. That's bronze. That's black feet. no. Um, his feet are like brass as if refined in a furnace. And so a um, couple things here. Brass throughout the Bible is symbolic of what? Judgment. Throughout the Bible, Old Testament brass, when Moses held the brass serpent, um, they were getting bit. They were being judged. Brass is always symbolic of judgment. His feet are like fine brass as if refined in a furnace. That means brass that has gone through the fire, been purified and come out. Here's the thing about Jesus, his feet, he's coming back. When he comes back, he's coming to do a different job than when he came the first time. When Jesus came the first time, what was the mission? Seek and save that which is lost. He came to be the humble, lowly lamb of God, to die on the cross for your sins and my sins in our place. When he comes back, what's he coming to do? Judge. It's a different guy coming back. And those that think he's coming back lowly and mild, feeding people fish dinners is going to be in a, in a bad way. Uh, he's not coming to do that. He's coming back to bring judgment on those that have rejected him. Right. If you're born again, if you're saved, you, we're going to already be with him. We have died and gone to be with the Lord because to be absent from the body is to be or we'll be caught up in the rapture, caught up forever to be with the Lord. One way or another, the saints will be with the Lord. Then he's coming back and he's judging, not us. The judgment is not on us. It's on those that have rejected him. But be sure he's coming back to judge. And so his feet are like fine brass as if refined in a furnace. Then it says his voice as the sound of many waters. This speaks of the authority that his voice speaks with. You think of the sound of many waters. Water is one of the most powerful things. You know, if water gets going, you can't stop it. Um, if you think of a waterfall and just the power of it coming down, you can't restrain or fight against water. If you're in a place where there's current strong enough, you can't go against it. He says his voice, he heard his voice as a sound of, John's doing his best to describe what he's hearing, just as a sound of many waters. It's something very powerful. Uh, and again, this speaks of the authority that God speaks with. And this is what you can ask yourself. Because God speaks with authority, but do you hear him in an authoritative way? Do you submit to his authority? Some people hear what God's word says, and they say, yeah, I know God says that, but that's, that's not acknowledging his authority. Right? You can't be, yeah, button the Lord. That means if you say, yeah, but it's like, God, I know you said, but my kids can't do that, right? If you tell your kids, I said, go take out the trash, and they come back and say, I know you said take out the trash, Dad, but I don't want to hear none of that. I don't want to hear what? I don't want to hear any of that. I want to hear that the trash is empty. But imagine your kid coming, Dad, I know you said take out the trash, but I'm tired. 
but I don't feel like it. But I feel like you should do it yourself. I don't know how, my, I don't know how y'all parent. The butt just won't get it, right? You can't do that to the Lord, though there are Christians that do, right? I know God's word says this, but I feel or I think. Insert whatever. He's the authority. Whatever God says, we believe it. That settles it. That's the end of the discussion. That's how we want to live our lives, under the authority of the word of God. You're living in a time, we're living in a time where even so-called Christians are questioning his authority. Are yeah, button the Lord. Pastors, things that have been the truth forever, right? God said a man should marry a woman. There are people who say, well, I know that the Bible says that, but. But what? There can't be no but to that. I just, I hope y'all know that. God's not, there's no rewrite. God's given us his word. That's what it is. Amen? So we got to hear him with authority, not just about other people's sins, but about yours too. The things that God is challenging you about, the things that God is correcting you on, I got to let the Lord speak with authority in my life. God, you are the authority. If you say that I need to do something, I need to do something. If you tell me I need to stop something, I need to stop something. I need to yield and submit to the Lord, uh, his lordship in my life. Here's how that works. If I'm saying Jesus is Lord of my life, which most Christians would acknowledge, what my Lord spoke in the Bible, and this is where he instructs me what to do, what not to do. He gives me commands and directions. And so when I read a direction or instruction or command from God's word, I have to submit. I have to yield to it. And as I do, I'll be transformed and conformed to his image. As a believer, you're either transforming and conforming into his image or you're resisting him and being hardened in your heart. But you can't have both. You're not growing and yielding and submitting and rebelling and rejecting. You're doing one or the other. We want to all choose to come under the authority of the word of God, that Jesus really is the Lord of our life. Amen? Jesus said to a group of people in his day, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and what? And you don't do what I tell you to do. I ain't the Lord of your life. You are. So we want to let him be Lord for real, that he can tell us what to do. That's the litmus test for his lordship, that we do what he tells us to do. Verse 16 now, he had in his right hand seven stars. Uh, what are the seven stars? Verse 20 says the seven stars are seven angels or seven messengers. These are the seven pastors or leaders of that church. The word angels means messengers. Um, and so of the seven churches that we'll start studying, uh, these letters were written and given to the leaders, the pastors of these seven churches. But I want you to note that the pastors were in his hand. The seven stars in his right hand, these are the leaders, the elders, the pastors of these seven churches. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. I think most people read the sharp two-edged sword, and we think of Hebrews 4.12, where God says, the, you know, his words like a two-edged sword. And that sword there is speaking of a small two-edged dagger you could hold in one hand and do close combat and chop somebody up real good. Um, the sword that's spoken about here, the Greek word is different. This is a long, lengthy uh, sword. It was actually used in battle, and it was a very violent weapon. It was, it was a murder weapon only. This sword, when used by someone who knew how to use it, could chop a man in half from the waist. So swung across. I would love to see this, you know, just, uh, just crap, you know, just, just de-waste a man. Or from, they said, from the head to the torso, just split a man. I'm like, that's amazing that that existed and that God says, that's what's coming out of my mouth. So here's the thing. If that's what's coming out of his mouth, the sword throughout scripture, it brings division. He, Jesus, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. It's, it's a divisive sword. 
Um, you either fall on this side of it or that side of it, God's word. Those that fall on this side of it are divided from those that fall on that side of it. That's, those are the facts. He says, look, this is coming out of my mouth when he comes back. When he comes back, he's coming to, there's going to be war. There's going to be judgment. Is this a scary thing if you're a child of God? Nope. No, it's like, it's like your dad who's for you and protecting you having a, a weapon, you know. Well, as long as it's not turned on you, it's a protective thing. That weapon is, man, go ahead, dad. Point it that way, though, please. Thank you, you know. And so, I mean, he has this come out of his mouth, but you're, as long as we're with him. Um, but for those that have come against his word, for those that have resisted his truth, for those that have come against it, he says, I'm coming with a sword and I'm coming to bring destruction to those. Um, and so for those, and I, I fear more than anything else, the world and what they do with God's word, they're, the world's in trouble already. I fear more than them. For those that are, that are claiming to be Christians or claiming to be ministers or pastors that have maligned the word of God or they've misapplied the word of God or they've twisted it for their own advantage in some way, um, there's going to be a day where they got to deal with the living word of God. What a fearful, scary thing it would be for the author to come and deal with you for you lied on me to people. You've misspoke about me. You've told people that they can do things I've said they cannot do. You've told people that salvation is some other kind of thing. Um, you know, when you see those people preaching, peddling false doctrine or whatever, my awareness of this makes me want to attempt. I'm like, man, they're, they're in trouble. doesn't matter if you're a deceived deceiver. You're lying on the Lord on a regular basis for a living, walking around, peddling magazines, Lying on the Lord. And I just like to tell them that. I walk my dog and I walk him to Starbucks and back. There's a Jehovah Witness uh, building right there. And this is a crazy thing to me. They don't really witness. They'll watch you walk by. They don't engage. They're in conversation. They're just sitting there with their little rack of books. I mean, y'all wasn't even going to try me. Y'all wasn't even going to, you know. So I go over and talk to them anyway. And, um, you know, and when I leave, I don't leave. I, you know, I, I say what I got to say. I just, I'm like, Y'all heard it from me, at least. You know, I want to tell them what they are. I want to tell them what's wrong with it. I do it very nice. I use my nice voice. Um, but it needs to be said. So moving on. Um, so out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And it says his countenance was like the sun shining with all of his strength. And again, this is a picture of what we saw at the transfiguration, just him and all of his glory. If you think about the sun, on a regular day, you can't look up at the sun, but the sun shining in all of its strength and just his magnificence and his glory, uh, that we should just be in awe of the Lord as we study him, as we learn about him. I hope that the Lord will refresh you and refresh me and just, just a fresh awe for who God is. That him being all of this loves you, wants to be in relationship with you, listens to you when you pray, is available to you 24-7. We got to take more advantage of that, don't we? This God that we're reading right here says, I'm available to you guys all day, every day. If you cry out to me, I'm listening. If you open up my book, I'll speak to you. If you need help from me, I'm willing to help you. If you're weak, I'll give you strength. If you want to be saved, I will forgive you and save you. I mean, he's just available to us, loves us. And I just think we should be in awe. I don't want to take that for granted. I don't want it to become some mundane, empty thing. What a privilege. What a blessing that that we have the opportunity to be in relationship with a God like this. Amen? And so his face like the sun shining in all of his strength. Verse 17, it says, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. And so John overwhelmed that this, this image 
uh, all of what he sees that the Lord is and is taken in, and he just falls down as dead. And the Lord put his hand on him and said, don't be afraid. And he tells him, we've heard this three, three times now, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. He puts his hand on John and he tells him that I'm the first and the last, he tells him. Why does he keep telling us that? Anything you see over and over again, God is letting you know. He said, look, I'm from the first and the last. I'm everything. It began and ends with me. Don't go anywhere. Don't look to anybody else. Look, look to anything else. There's so many lies out there of, of, you know, origin or where things began. God has said, look, I've told you plainly. It began with me. I'm the first. I'm the last. I'm the beginning. I'm the end. I'm the alpha. I'm the omega. It begins and it ends with me. If you want to end well, you need to be with me. It's all going to end on my call. He knows when it ends. He knows what's going to happen when it ends. Nobody else can tell you what's going to happen to you when you die except him. Why? He's the beginning and the end. So you want to listen to what he says happens when you die. You want to listen to what he says about how to prepare for that. Death is certain for every single one of us. Every one of us that if we're not here for the rapture, every one of us has a date with death. We don't know when it is, but it's coming. And so we want to be prepared for that day. How do I prepare for that day? There's so many different beliefs. This person says, that person say, they say you come back as a monkey. They say you die and go to nothing. They say, he says, God said, look, what I said, if you believe in me, you'll have everlasting life. After from the body, you'll be present with the Lord. If you're here for the rapture, you'll be caught up to be with the Lord. If you die without Christ, you will die and be separated from God for all eternity in a place the Bible calls hell that he created to punish Satan and the demons that fell with him. That's what he says. And he's made a provision for every single one of us that we could be saved. Who is this that says, I am he who lives. I'm alive right now, but I was dead. And behold, I'm alive, not just until I die again, but forevermore. I'm going to live forever. This is Jesus. And he says, I have the keys of Hades and death. I'm in charge of that. I got the keys of that. I deal with death. I have the keys of Hades and death. And so, again, as we prepare for death, which every one of us has a date with, um, I want to be in right relationship with the Lord. They say, if you stay ready, you don't got to get ready, right? And some people, you know, waiting, I'm going to wait till I get old. I'm going to wait till I finish doing this. Don't be that person. Tomorrow's promise to who? Nobody. You know, I, I got right now. I need to be saved today. Tomorrow's promise to, to no man. I want to walk with the Lord the rest of my life in him, uh, knowing that I got life in him now, but I also have a lot to look forward to. Um, Heaven is going to be an awesome place. It's going to be an amazing thing to be in his presence for all eternity. And that is the, the hope and the promise to all who believe. Now he says in verse 19, Jesus gives some commands to John. He says, write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. When we opened up the book two weeks ago, I told you this is the key to the book of Revelation. Uh, these are the three stances. He says, write the things which you have seen or the past tense. That would be all the contents of chapter one, the image of the glorified Lord. He says, write the things which are, that's the present tense, that's going to be chapters two and three, the church age. And then he says, write the things which will take place after this, that's chapters four to 22. Um, all, from four to 22 is all future. And we'll get glimpses into heaven. We'll get a, a very clear picture of the tribulation period. Oh, walk us all the way to the end. We'll see what final judgment looks like, who gets it, who gets saved, who doesn't, what we have to look forward to uh, from 4 to 22 is all future. But that is the breakdown or the key to the book of Revelation, the things which you have seen, things which are, the things which will happen after this. And then verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, 
The seven stars are the angels or the messengers or pastors of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. And so once again, as we will continue through this book, when we see um, different imagery, uh, we'll either see an explanation there in the context that we're reading or we'll find the picture elsewhere in Scripture. But as we wrap this up, uh, what do we do with this image of Christ? Has he shown us not so much what he looked like, but he's given us an image of who he is. It shows us more of who he is and what he does. First, before he ever saw him, he heard the trumpet. Uh, and again, we ask ourselves, does God have our attention? I would encourage you guys that you would give him your attention on a regular basis, like you're doing this morning. Uh, but even as you go throughout your week, uh, we encourage everybody to do the, the Bible reading every day, that you would just take time to give your attention to the Lord. Let him speak to you on a regular basis. Um, we see him in the attire of the high priest, where he wants to be our high priest. He wants to make intercession for us. Again, that's only true for you if you're a believer. If you're a Christian, God says, I make intercession for you day and night. I'm in between you and the Father. You're going to go through heaven because of me. If there's anybody that's unsure about what would happen if you died, if you don't know that you're born again, you're sinned and forgiven, you're going to heaven, he died to make it available. He put it on men's heart to preach it so you could hear it. So if you've not ever taken hold of the Lord, if you've never surrendered to him as Lord, um, that I would invite you that you would do that today. He's willing to save you. Uh, died to save you, and uh, would love to would love to receive you as one of his own. And so um, we want to respond to that. We see that his his head and his hair are white like wool. That there's a, a purity about the Lord. And I do pray that we be in awe of who He is, and that we be humbled in His presence, that we be thankful and grateful to be in relationship with a God like Him. That He has eyes like a flame of fire. He sees everything. Uh, may that purify how you walk. May it purify how you live. For those of us that are doing good outwardly but we got things inwardly, let the Lord work with you. Be honest with the Lord about what's happening in your heart, that he can, he can change what's going on. God wants to change us from the inside out anyway. Uh, God doesn't want you looking good on the outside and being nasty on the inside. God wants to work it from the inside out so you be genuinely pure, genuinely right before the Lord. And so um, his eyes like a flame of fire. We're reminded that his feet are like brass. He's coming back to judge. How do I make sure that I don't fall under the judgment of God? Make sure that you're securely in Christ, that you're a Christian, you've given your life to him. His voice is the sound of many waters. Um, let him be the authority. Don't let any authority rise up in your life that's above him. He is the authority. Let him be. He, he is the authority anyway, but you need to submit and acquiesce. Let him be the authority to you when he speaks. And um, lastly, we have the image of the two-edged sword coming out of his mouth, and um, he's bringing judgment. Um, you can relax if you're saved. That's not coming to you. Uh, but if you're not saved, then we're going to close right now. And I do want to invite anybody that needs to receive him uh, that they would do that now. Would you guys bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this picture of Jesus, uh, for this insight into who you are, Lord, uh, what you came to do, what you do in the lives of your people. And God, I would ask right now that um, you would move among us, Lord. I, I know that uh, there are many of us that do know you and have had our sins forgiven. But I pray, God, for those that maybe they're listening to this and they need to be forgiven. Um, I pray, Lord, you would draw them to yourself. You would make yourself known. Father, we thank you for those that are here that know you and are known by you. Thank you for all that you did to bring us to that place. And God, I pray you would continue as we study this great book to reveal more of who you are, what you've done, what you're doing and how we should be responding to you as we study your word. 
God, we bless you. We worship you. We're thankful uh, to be in relationship with a God like you. We know there are many ways that you can spend your day, but we're delighted that you chose to spend time with us today here on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill is working his way through the book of Revelation. There are a variety of things addressed in this book. There are letters written to churches, lots of imagery and prophecy, and the best part, a coming king who will reign supreme. Don't you just love a good story where good overcomes evil? Jesus is the ultimate in this, bringing good and restoring all that's broken and lost. What a wonderful savior. How do you engage with the book of Revelation? Is it scary to you? Is it confusing? Is it inspiring? We'd like to help you through what you're thinking as you're listening to these messages. Our number is 310-245-4811. Feel free to give us a call. We'd love to connect with you. Just in case you missed it, that number is 310-245-4811. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry based out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, in Inglewood, California. Would you come visit us? Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area, you can live stream our service on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Look for links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Our time with you today is about up, but please join us again for the next edition as God continues to reveal His plan for the world and for us. On behalf of Pastor Bill and the rest of the production team, thanks for being a part of A Transforming Word.